it organically, really like spontaneously. It's not just going in there and making a noise, folks. <laughs> the Classic Rock Files with Kelly Parker and Mike Young. Hi, Mike. Hi, Kelly. So it's been uh, a full week. Seems like longer. Seems like forever. It really does. So in our standard leadoff slot for lawsuits, this one is intriguing to me as a big uh, memorabilia guy. If I had the money, I would be all over the memorabilia. Maybe not this particular thing, but longtime Beatles sound engineer Jeff Emmerich, who just uh, recently died, he taped the Beatles' first ever session at Abbey Road Studios. This was on June 6th. 1962. This is even before Ringo was a member. The recording was said to include a performance of Love Me Do, and it was judged to be of insufficient quality. And so EMI, the label, ordered Jeff Emmerich to destroy it. But instead, he kept it until he died a couple of years ago. This is where it gets intriguing. Yeah, so now Universal Music Group, who took over EMI in 2012, wanted returned in the belief that it could be worth up to 5 million euros, which translates to about 6.3 million U.S. dollars. And about 20 mil Canadian. Yeah, so it's big money. Yeah. Uh, so now there's going to be a, a legal showdown between uh, Universal and the family of uh, Jeff Emmerich. The family is arguing that they're entitled to keep it because of finder's law. Universal says the law does not apply. Now, I don't know much about law, but I'm thinking finder's law is uh, if you've got something and you've probably kept it for a long time, sort of like squatter's rights, I bet it's something to do with that. And so he's had this thing since 1962, at least his family has. I don't even need to see any, anything else. I've already come down on my decision on this, Judge Mike. Okay, I've now, got it figured out. A perfectly second. fair system. We trace this back to the beginning. Yep. A tape was Jeff Emmerich's and it was ordered to be destroyed. He did not destroy that tape. He kept it. Yeah. So here's the two options for Universal Music Group. Okay. One, they can get the tape from Jeff Emmerich. However, they must destroy it because that was, <laughs> that was the order from the beginning for have that tape destroyed. So that's option one for them. Okay. He can give it to them. They have to destroy it. They can't sure. sell it. Okay. Option two, yeah. they get the tape from Jeff Emmerich. Uh -huh. They sell it. They give him half the money. Huh. They give the family whatever half the value is, and then they can keep half. Because yeah, because at this point, Jeff doesn't care. I think that's the fairest route, is Universal can have it, you split the proceeds, and that's that. You know, I like both of those solutions. Um, because he only would have, the tape only existed because he didn't follow the yeah. ask to have it destroyed in the first place. So he already broke some kind of law there. Yeah, and the fact that it wasn't his in the first place, he was an employee of EMI, Correct. and EMI owned that tape. And then he didn't follow the directions. So they should get into a time machine, go back in time and fire him, first of all. But if it wasn't for him disobeying and mm -hmm. keeping the tape, we wouldn't be asking for it to have the 20 yep. million Canadian today that it might be worth, you yep. know? So, Well, we know if they get it back, they're not going to destroy it. We know that much. Well, if the judge says they got to destroy it. <laughs> well, that is true. <laughs> An intriguing situation there. So we'll follow that one. Yeah, that's kind of fun. I'm interested to see what the judge says because I think my split the money down the middle is probably yeah. the best case scenario for all parties involved. Well, I feel you should write EMI right now. E Who's the judge? I can <laughs> offer my suggestion to them. They'll love that. I saw a couple of headlines here that uh, were... Ah, no, curious to me, and I can't figure out why they're curious to me. The first one is there's a festival called the O'Fallon's Heritage and Freedom Fest 2.0. It's going to take place September 6th. Well, it's somewhere down in the States. I don't even know where it is. It was supposed to take place over the July 4th weekend, so they've pushed it back to September 6th. But this is a big carnival-type thing. 
with a free stage and Styx is headlining. Now, a big event like that, a big band like Styx, which is not a stupid band, signing on to play September 6th, there's something about that that is odd to me. Well, maybe it's odd because they don't have a lead singer because apparently, according to Styx, Lawrence Gowan can't get in the country to record. So be interesting to see if he can show up to play a concert. Maybe all of this is just fantasy thinking because that's also something I hadn't considered. So we'll see if all the uh, rules in terms of getting Lawrence Gowan over the border have been mm-hmm. lifted in time for this. I guess I it's think, optimistic, if nothing else, but I don't know. Because this, you mentioned, it was already delayed. This was supposed to take place July 2nd to yep. 4th, and it's already been delayed. This was an annual thing. You know, the, it's like... The Red River X, vendors, fireworks, mm-hmm. rides, all that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. there's some bands playing. So uh, seems like something the community looks forward to every year. They want to try and make it happen. And I think despite all signs, the Americans are far more optimistic about continuing life as normal than that's, we are. Optimistic is one word. <laughs> um, so whether that's foolish or not uh, can be debated another time. But yeah, they seem to just, you know, set dates for things and they have no problem. Just, well, we'll just move it again if we need to. Yeah. Maybe it seems odd to me because I have a feeling they're going to go through with it, which at this point seems insane. This one was maybe even more surprising to me, probably a smaller venue, because I think if the Sticks one, whatever that festival is called, if it's anything like state fairs down there, those are absolutely monstrous events. However, Ace Fraley has said that uh, he is going to be playing in August. He has set a date, August 7th, a show at a place called the Robbins Theater in Warren, Ohio. Capacity of that place, I looked it up, 1350, which is almost identical to the Burt. And then three more concerts set for fall. Ace is a draw, at least to a place the size of the Burt. Ace is a guy, I imagine, that probably needs to get back to playing live as soon as he can, much like David Crosby suggested a couple months back, that you know the longer this goes that I can't play live, the more financial trouble I find myself in because he relies on especially the summer to make some money to hibernate in the winter. You know, so it's Ace is kind of the same way where, yes, he's got some of those kiss residuals. That I would come think in, those would be enough, wouldn't they? But I, I have a feeling Ace hasn't been the most financially responsible person over the years. It's amazing how so much point. even just cost of living day to day for a person that lived the high life for yeah. a while, you know, just property taxes and stuff like that is a killer. Just keeping himself in leather pants is a lot. You know, so it's the, the plastic surgery, all these things sure. that just add up on you that a regular human doesn't have to deal with <laughs> yeah. on a day-to-day basis. So yeah. I have a feeling that's why artists like Ace Freely over a band like Kiss would go out first you know test the waters also the smaller venues are going to push to open before the bigger venues Mm -hmm. because they're more likely or they're not more likely they are far more affected than say you know the park theater is far more affected than bell mts place the smaller venues want to try and get things going get precautions in place do whatever it takes to get a show happening Maybe the surprising thing about the Ace uh, show in that venue uh, to me is that we've seen about a month ago there was that guy that did the show and it was physically distanced and there was like these fan pods and it was about a thousand seat place and they had about 250 people in there which seems to me just a sad no energy situation and so a rock player like Ace going into a similar size venue where, of course, there's, they've listed all of the physical distancing uh, measures that they will have in place. It just seems odd to me that uh, a guy like Ace would go into a situation like that, w- which seems to be another sparse, low-energy situation. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, again, it's hard to tell. Uh, you know, it's still a couple months away, and things could look worse than they are now in uh, Warren, Ohio, things could look better than they are yeah. now in Warren, Ohio. I don't know. I guess everyone's just trying to be optimistic and cling to some kind of hope that we can get back to 
have some kind of normalcy. Like, and somebody has to be the first to start scheduling shows. Yeah, I mean, uh, it doesn't hurt to schedule something and then you have to cancel it. Sure. You know, at least you're trying. And uh, if, if it turns out you can, then, hey, you've got the date booked and you're ready to go. If people aren't ready to come out and support you, even with the guidelines in place, then t- no one will buy tickets and you'll cancel it anyway. Yeah. So uh, it's a nice gauge to see where society is at, where the public is at. I was talking to some people unrelated to music, but we got news that the Gold Eyes were coming back, right? Yeah. And uh, But they won't be Not playing here. here. No, yeah. They'll be playing in Fargo. Now, mm-hmm. if you look at the numbers, Fargo far more affected by COVID-19 mm-hmm. than Winnipeg is. But ask people, and they're almost glad that the games aren't happening here because we don't want the influx of extra people, the players, mm-hmm. coming here and screwing up our numbers. Yeah. So I don't think Winnipegers, even though things have been great, you know, general consensus might be that, hey, even if things started to happen here, maybe we aren't ready to go. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I think maybe that's why these two shows just seem odd to me because now we've gotten into the mindset of not going out to these events, which is a frightening prospect for any promoter of any event. But maybe that's what seems odd to me is just the idea of going out to shows. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to do a full mindset back to going to shows at the other end of this. And right now, this seems really weird to me. I haven't seen it and I don't think we'll see it released, but I would love to know with all of these shows that have been postponed and new dates announced. How many people asked for their money back within those 30-day windows? Mm-hmm. What's the comfortability factor from the public right now in terms of, hey, a show's in November, a show's in yep. June of 2021, Rage Against the Machine, perfect example, rescheduled for June of next year. Yep. How many people in that 30-day window, which lasted all of May, asked for their money back? You haven't, right? You had tickets I, I didn't for Rage? Because, if it were up to me, I might have, but I was going with multiple people, so okay. we just decided we'll hold the tickets and we'll see. And that was only because I've got two other shows that are also going to be rescheduled in the summer, and they are travel shows and right. higher priority in terms of who I have left I want to see, and I, if they overlap, because they're new dates, right? Yeah. They could all be the same weekend, yep. you know? So yeah. uh, fingers crossed they aren't, but... The one for me is uh, the Eagles show, which is now set for, I believe, October of 2021. I've got a single ticket for that, so I don't have any. It's not like other people are going, and I feel like I'm obligated. I've got my one ticket for that. But I'm rolling the dice on that because I feel like if concerts aren't happening, they'll just reschedule that again. I don't necessarily feel locked into going to that show yet because I think that's all still well up in the air even a year from now. Yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what the first event here in Winnipeg is like and how many people show up and support it. Will we want to go through the hoops like I've, I've talked about? Do I want to stand in line and get my temperature taken and yeah. have to have all these sanitations and a seven times longer lineup to get into the washroom? You know, all yeah. these little things. Do we want to jump through those hoops? Well, remains to be seen. Ace is optimistic for early August for his part. You mentioned Rage Against the Machine. They're experiencing a chart surge as these protests continue across the United States and throughout the world. Their debut album, back on the Billboard 200 chart, all three of their albums of original material, also making a big splash on Apple Music's charts. Yeah, of course, these are all far more relevant songs than they were pre-three weeks ago, before George Floyd was murdered. Mm -hmm. And... um, the 1992 self-titled debut, of course, standout track from that was Killing in the Name of, which was released, I believe, just a few months after the riots in Los Angeles, after the verdict in the Rodney King trial came out. That's right. And yep. it kind of became like one of those backbone songs of that era. And they've always been a political band. They've always had politics involved in their music. And they've always been relevant. But it's interesting that the need for political music hasn't gone away since they went away in terms of writing original music but they've never been compelled at least the four of them together get on the same page and write new music and i think now especially 
Like, they're set to come here with Run the Jewels. And we all have probably seen Killer Mike's speech in Atlanta that he did on the news. Yeah. Um, that went viral yeah. of him talking to the black community in Atlanta and in the United States. Yeah. And they were set to come to Winnipeg and are set to come to Winnipeg with that band, the two of them together. And Run the Jewels released an album last week or week before. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, great critical acclaim and now rage is like this is the moment when you guys should be absolutely bringing new music now's the time for rage against the machine we need yep. you now more than ever so i'm interested if this sparks anything between those guys especially with the pandemic and them not playing shows that they would have been doing have they sat down to write anything you and i are aware that rage does political material not everybody is apparently this is hilarious tom morello clapped back at a fan who didn't realize the whole rage against the machine political thing a guy named scott tweeted out quote i used to be a fan until your political opinions came out music is my sanctuary and the last thing i want to hear is political bs when i'm listening to music and of course morello responded scott what music of mine were you a fan of that didn't contain political bs i need to know so i can delete it from the catalog scott's not really up to speed on rage i don't stuff. think he's really a fan of rage against the machine it seems like that. maybe he's just found a, a tape of instrumentals i'm not sure if they had <laughs> lyrics attached that is the classic rock files 94.3 the drive music director mike young thank you thank you